Well, please uh, turn with me as you, as you remain standing and turn first to Luke chapter 13. We're going to read verse 31 through chapter 14, verse 6. Uh, and we're also, after that, going to turn to chapter 23 and read just a few verses there. Uh, if you're using uh, one of the church Bibles, you'll find that uh, starting on page uh, 873. Luke 13, 31 through 14, 6. The grass withers, flowers fade, but God's word is not so. It is eternal and it abides forever uh, and it is worthy of our attention. So let us uh, focus our hearts and minds on it as we read. At that very hour, some Pharisees came and said to him, Get away from here, for Herod wants to kill you. And he said to them, Go tell that fox. Behold, I cast out demons and perform cures today and tomorrow, and the third day I finish my course. Nevertheless, I must go on my way today and tomorrow and the following day, for it cannot be that a prophet should perish away from Jerusalem. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it, How often I would have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings. And you were not willing. Behold, your house is forsaken. And I tell you, you will not see me until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. One Sabbath, when he went to dine at the house of a ruler of the Pharisees, they were watching him carefully. And behold, there was a man before him who had dropsy. And Jesus responding to the lawyers and Pharisees saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. And then he took him and healed him and he sent him away. And he said to them, Which of you having a son or an ox that has fallen into a well on a Sabbath day will not immediately pull him out? And they could not reply to these things. Uh, turn with me, if you will, now to chapter 23. Um, we're just going to read verses 50 through 56. Now there was a man named Joseph from the Jewish town of Arimathea. He was a member of the council, a good and righteous man who had not consented to their decision and action. And he was looking for the kingdom of God. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then he took it down and he wrapped it in a linen shroud and laid him in a tomb cut in stone where no one had yet ever been laid. It was the day of preparation and the Sabbath was beginning. The women who had come with him from Galilee followed and saw the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and ointments. On the Sabbath they rested, according to the commandment. Uh, This ends the reading of God's word. Let us ask his blessing on our time in it this morning. Father, your word is a lamp to our feet. It is our guide through dark days. It is wisdom and it is truth that we follow each day. It's sweeter than honey. It's sharper than swords. It is healing and it is justice. And it is ours to hear, to believe, to follow, and to obey. 
It grants us understanding of grace and peace and, and love. And that's why we draw near. To know you in your scriptures. And so we ask that you would be with us. Speak to us through your word, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, you may be seated. I, I do wonder if you're starting to notice a theme in Luke. This is now the fourth passage we have come across uh, that has a controversy surrounding the Sabbath. <laughs> feels a little bit like Luke is uh, trying to tell us something, <laughs> doesn't it? Uh, in Luke chapter 6, you might remember uh, the Pharisees were lying in wait and Jesus and his disciples on the Pharisees were on the, on the Sabbath were walking along and started picking grain. And the Pharisees uh, sprang out, Aha! You're working on the Sabbath. Then the very next passage, uh, Luke records for us uh, Jesus entering the synagogue on uh, the Sabbath, and there was a man there with a withered hand, and Jesus healed him. Just a few weeks ago, we saw Jesus once again heal on the Sabbath. This time, it was a woman with a, a back hunched over, unable to stand up straight, and he had mercy on here. And here again, Jesus is healing on the Sabbath. And in each of these episodes, there is a controversy surrounding what is and what isn't lawful on the Sabbath. That the Sabbath is it's that one day a week set aside for God. Six days he's given us to focus on, on work and life's worries and, and needs. But there's one day each week that's unique, that's different. And it's clearly this is important to Luke. He won't let us gloss over it and move on. You know how you can do that. You read a passage and you miss it. And then, and then something similar comes up and it's like, oh yeah, that's right. And then third time, okay, I, I get it. And the fourth time, it's like, okay. He keeps bringing it up and he's forcing us to ask, what is the Sabbath? What is its purpose? What does the Lord want from us on the Sabbath? Or maybe even more importantly, what does the Lord give us? On the Sabbath. My hope this morning as we look uh, at these two episodes is to see this. Is that the Sabbath reveals God's heart to heal and to care for others. Even if it costs him his own life. The Sabbath is really about God's heart. To heal and care for others. Even if that is costly to him. That's what we hope to see. Our passage has two interactions with Pharisees, and, and through these we, we see two different kinds of hearts. We see the hearts of the Pharisees, which are uh, self-serving, self-centered, self-protecting, and then we also see God's heart, which is willing to sacrifice all in order to heal the sick and to save the lost. That's what the Sabbath is meant to teach us and what it's meant to shape us to be more like the heart of God. Now to this point uh, in Luke's gospel, I'm, I'm sure you've noticed 
the Pharisees haven't been particularly friendly uh, toward Jesus. They, uh, they've watched him closely. They have sought opportunities to trap him. Uh, they've challenged him. They've accused him. And so in verse 31, when they come up to warn him that Herod is seeking to kill him, it's, it's a bit surprising to say the least. And you sit there, you think, have they come around? Uh, are they now seeking to protect him? Or should we realize that things aren't always what they seem and that when enemies are trying to help you, there may be an ulterior motive. Uh, what's the old adage? You know, beware an enemy bearing gifts. Um, but this is Herod, who's not known for being a friend to God's people. This is Herod, who had John the Baptist beheaded. But even there, it was a little complicated. He's still culpable, but it wasn't his own grudge against John the Baptist that led him to do that. Uh, it was to appease his brother's wife, Herodias. Uh, in fact, Luke told us in chapter 9 that Herod sought to see Jesus. And we are going to see in chapter 23 that Herod was glad when he finally got to see Jesus because he was hoping to see some sort of sign or wonder. He was very interested in seeing one of these miracles actually performed. And so the idea that Herod was secretly plotting to kill Jesus doesn't quite fit with the evidence. So why? Why would the Pharisees come and tell Jesus to stay away from Jerusalem? Well, it does actually make a lot of sense. Uh, Jerusalem was the center of religious power. It's where uh, the Pharisees wielded their greatest influence. And as Jesus made his way through the villages and the countryside, he was gaining more and more of a following. What if he made it to Jerusalem? What if the people there started to follow him? What would happen to the Pharisees' power? Now, they can't just come out and say, you are a threat to our power. Um, please don't come to Jerusalem. That would be a little too obvious. So they concoct a plan. Everyone they know does whatever it takes to protect and save their own lives and their own comfort. And they assume Jesus is the same. So they're banking on the assumption that if they can convince Jesus that his life is in danger, he will simply avoid Jerusalem. But they just don't know Jesus. He tells them to go and tell Herod that he's not going to stop his business. He's going to continue to battle demons. He's going to continue to heal people for two days. And then he'll be done on the third day. And then look what he says in verse 33. He, he says it's necessary that he keep making his way to Jerusalem precisely because it is dangerous. It, he says it's unimaginable that a prophet would die outside of Jerusalem. His life might not be in, in danger because of Herod, but his life is in danger. He knows what awaits him in Jerusalem. And that's why he's headed there. So what is it that compels him to go to a city that, that means certain death? Well, I think we all know. It's love. 
For centuries, he has pursued Jerusalem. We saw that uh, in Jeremiah. We've seen it in the other prophets. He's for centuries called her to repentance. He sent prophet after prophet to, to warn Jerusalem of the judgment that will come if she does not repent. And he compares his love uh, to a, a mother hen who gathers her chicks under her wings to protect them. And that's a powerful image. Because a mother hen gets between her chicks and danger. She shields them with her own body. And that's what Jesus says he has longed to do with his rebellious people. Shield them from danger even with his own body. And yet to this point, they've been pushing him away. They've rejected his warnings. They've, they've done everything they can to keep him at a distance. But the next time he comes to Jerusalem will be the last. Everything is drawing to a head. And Luke takes us directly from this interchange to Jesus dining uh, at the house of a Pharisee on the Sabbath. And while Jesus is there, he sees a man with, a, with dropsy, or what we would call today uh, edema. It's when the body retains fluid, unable to process it, and uh, he, he would have um, been puffy and swollen and, and in pain. Um, skin, tense and tight. But worse than all of that would be that he would be considered unclean because the symptoms would look very similar to leprosy. And anyone suspected of leprosy was to be kept at a distance. And this is what Jesus sees. He sees a man who is swollen, in pain, and ostracized. And it's the Sabbath. It's that day that, that God has set aside, addressed in the Ten Commandments. And the question is, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? Is healing work? Is it a violation of that law? Or is Jesus free to heal? Or does God require such things be done on other ordinary days? And this gets right at the heart of what the law is. The law of God is one of those things that his people have, have discussed and debated at great length, often hotly, written many books on and and it can be difficult because the Bible has, says all sorts of different things about the law. It says things like this. Now the law came to increase the trespass or, or uh, the power of sin is the law. And you think, well, that's kind of dark. And then it says other things like the law is holy and the commandment is holy and righteous and good. And God's people have had to wrestle with those different kinds of statements and as they have, they've realized that God's law is given for a few different reasons. It's given to teach us about sin so that we might seek forgiveness. It's, it's given to show us what perfect righteousness looks like, uh, both so that we would know what Jesus must do to fulfill the law for us, but also so that once we are, know his forgiveness, 
we might know what is good and pleasing to God. Not, not so as that to try to earn our salvation, but because what could please those who have been shown grace more than doing what pleases and honors the Lord? But none of those are the primary purpose of the law. In fact, each of those flow out of the primary reason God gave us the law. What is the primary purpose? It's to teach us who God is. God tells us about himself in the law. He reveals himself. In the fourth commandment, he tells us that rest is important to him. As we saw a couple of weeks ago, it's, it's not a call to selfish rest, but loving rest, serving rest. The Sabbath isn't a time for refraining from good, but a time to love and to serve, to provide, and to care for others. Because that's who God is. That's what pleases Him. And this is what the Pharisees and the lawyers and the religious leaders have been missing. Every one of these Sabbath episodes in Luke's Gospel so far, their interpretation of the Sabbath would have led to the suffering of others. In that first one, the disciples of Jesus would have gone hungry. In the following episode, that man with the withered hand would have left without its use. Chapter 13, that woman with that hunched back would have stayed bent and pain would have remained her companion. And here... This man would have continued swollen, in pain, and ostracized. So what could possibly drive an, an interpretation that leads to suffer, the suffering of others? Well, the Pharisees saw God's law not as a revelation of a kind and gracious God, but something that they could use to convince others how righteous they were and to excuse themselves from showing love and kindness to others. For them, the Sabbath became a club with which they could beat and abuse others. It was an excuse for them to serve themselves at the expense of others. And the question is, how could such evil ever come from the heart of the God who had led Israel out of slavery in Egypt, who had had fed them in the wilderness, who had, had quenched their thirst from water from the rock? And this is why Luke records all these Sabbath episodes. This is why he keeps pressing the issue. He's come like the prophets before him to confront their hearts, to to reveal and to expose religious facades, and and to declare who God really is to a hurting people. Because if this man with dropsy in our passage simply listened to the Pharisees 
he would assume that, that he was completely unlovable, that God was uninterested in his pain, and that he was simply an imposition here and not the object of God's love and affection. Perhaps you felt like that, like an outsider, like an imposition, like you're in the way. Like there's no possible way that the God who created all things could know you, let alone love you. Like rest is something you have to earn, not something God gives you. And Jesus was not about to have any of that. Because Jesus is the God of Israel come in the flesh. He came for the same reason the law came, to show us who God is. And in Jesus, we see the very heart of God. And so what does that heart look like? Well, he calls that outcast over. He looks in those pained eyes. And he shows compassion. He healed and sent him away. He healed him and sent him away a changed man. And for the first time in a long time, that man really experienced rest. That Sabbath, he came to know and understand God in a way he had never understood him before. And he understood that the Sabbath was, was a gift to the weary, an opportunity to, to show God's love to the weak. And that healing was not a violation of the Sabbath, it was what the Sabbath was about. And so Jesus healed him, Jesus loved him, and Jesus gave him rest. Now, I've been saying that uh, this is the last of the Sabbath conflicts in Luke's gospel. That's not totally true. There is one more Sabbath conflict in, the, in Luke's gospel. And I think it helps us to understand what, what Jesus said at the beginning of our passage. Jesus said, I cast out demons and perform cures today and tomorrow, and the third day I finish my course. And then he connects that in the very next verse with his calling to lay down his life in Jerusalem. Jesus was describing what he was going to do through his death on the cross in Jerusalem. He would spend two days conquering demons and healing people, and on the third day he would be done. And this is why he spent two days in the grave and rose on the third and he didn't do this simply to heal withered hands and, and bent backs and, and, uh, and dropsy. <laughs> he went to the cross to heal people of a much greater illness, the illness of sin. He wasn't going to feed them for a day like he did with his disciples with those heads of grain. He was going to give his people the very bread of heaven which lasts for eternity. He wasn't going to give them rest for a day, but he was, he was going to give them through this eternal rest. Jesus was willing to suffer on the cross because he is the God of the Sabbath. 
And the Sabbath is about healing and giving rest to the weak, the hurting, and the needy. And that's what he did through his death. He healed sinners. And do you remember what day he spent in the grave? He was crucified on Friday. And they didn't want him to remain on the cross on the Sabbath. So they went to break his legs. But when they got there, they found he was already dead. And then Joseph of Arimathea took him and laid him in an unused tomb as the Sabbath was beginning, as we read in chapter 23. And so on Friday, he conquered Satan. On the second day of the Sabbath, laying in the tomb, people assuming he was doing nothing, (laughs) the scriptures tell us he was healing them. And on the third day, he rose because he was done. His course was complete. As Jesus lay in the tomb, Luke says in chapter 23 that those who laid him there rested on the Sabbath according to the commandment. Luke isn't simply saying they stopped working. He's saying they experienced the love of God in a way they never had. They understood his heart more deeply than they ever did. That they experienced rest and healing that God alone can give. Because that's what the Sabbath is all about. And so the next day when Jesus rose, it was a confirmation that his course was complete and that salvation had been accomplished. And from that day on, his people began to to worship not on Saturday, but on Sunday. And today, we experience that blessed reality. We gather together not to feel self-righteous, I hope. Not to beat each other over the heads, I hope. But to witness afresh the, the love of our gracious God. And to be reminded that we are not in positions... We are the objects of his affection. And to learn to love and to serve others as he has loved and served us. And to make sure that we don't forget this. God has given us two visible reminders of his love about how he healed on the Sabbath. One of those visible pictures is experienced just once in a person's life, and it's in baptism. Baptism is is a picture of death. In fact, we saw uh, recently that Jesus calls his death a baptism. Uh, And because Jesus rose on the third day, baptism comes with that promise that if we confess our sins and trust in Jesus, death will not have final victory over us. So the Cheneys are going to be bringing in just one second Freya to be baptized. And this is what God is declaring to her in her baptism. He's telling her that she's a sinner and that she needs to be healed. That sin needs to be conquered. 
He's telling her that, that Jesus, through his death and resurrection, has conquered sin and death and brought healing. And he's telling her that if she confesses her sin and if she places her hope in him, she will be healed. Death will not have the final word. And so Skylar and Katie, not wanting to be overly simplistic, your job as parents is to keep those realities before her and call her to faith. And we long for. We look forward to the day when, when we see Freya, Freya come and, and claim Jesus as her Savior, something we're going to have the privilege uh, of watching two of our youth do over the next few weeks. We look forward to that. That's an exciting thing. And that's, so, so baptism here is, is really the beginning, not the end. I did say there were two visible pictures um, of what we've heard about the Sabbath today, of God's love and how he healed on the Sabbath. And the second one isn't experienced just once, but each week as we gather for worship. In the bread and the wine of the Lord's Supper, we see the lengths that Jesus was willing to go to to bring us healing. Like that mother chick putting his body between us and danger. He did not avoid Jerusalem. He headed straight for it. He spent the Sabbath in the grave because that's what it took to heal you and to heal me. And he rose on the third day because his job was complete. Because he had done everything necessary for our salvation. It was accomplished and Satan was conquered. And so every Sabbath, we come to this table with grateful hearts. We, we come healed and relieved of our burdens We come to this table and we find rest. Please bow with me in prayer. Father, we thank you that you love us. We thank you that you know us by name, that you see us in our need and that you don't make excuses, you don't send us away, but you call us to yourself and you heal us. And you conquer those who would seek to do us harm. In you we find rest. In you we find all that we need. Help us to take what you have given and show it in love to others. Help us to understand that the Sabbath is about love and that it reveals your heart. Make us more like you, we pray. Through Christ our Savior, amen.